I get the privilege, if you don't know me, my name's Kevin. I get the privilege to be associate pastor here at the OP campus. We have a great staff that I love working with. And I get to, I get to serve with our youth team. It's one of my favorite things I get to do. And this week we have Future Night and we're going to throw the biggest party in Orange Park. So if you know any teenagers, make sure they're here this Wednesday night. Um, I want to thank Pastor Robert for giving me the chance to preach today. And Pastor Tim and Pastor Jen um, for um, starting this series, Processing. Um, this series is a time where we're focusing on mental health and, and um, what impact that makes in our life. And I'm really thankful... Um, that we have pastors that would start this conversation. I come from a Pentecostal background, and we did not have this conversation. We uh, just had the conversation of you just faith through everything. Everything that comes your way, you just faith through it. And now, I, as an adult, I look back at times in my life, and there were seasons where I was struggling, and I didn't know why I felt certain type of, type of ways. I didn't know why I went through seasons without motivations. I didn't, I didn't know why I went through seasons and dealt with things the way I dealt with them. It's because I didn't know the battle that I was struggling at the time. So it's important that we have these conversations because this is real. This is, it affects so many. So I, I just want to thank our pastors for having this conversation and taking a series where we'd focus on these things. Um, and I, I'm going to jump in um, to Psalms 40. If you, have your, if you have your Bible this morning, Psalm chapter 40, David said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet upon a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. King David, who the Bible describes as a man after God's own heart, finds himself in a pit in mud and mire. But I love David's response. He found himself in a pit, but he knew if he trusted in the Lord, that pit's just temporary. And I'm here this morning with a testimony a testimony that the pit is temporary, that we will all face struggles and we will all have seasons that are tough, but I'm able to look back on my life and see time after time again, the Lord walked me through those seasons, that he was with me when I didn't realize he was with me, that he was good in those seasons when I felt like I was in a pit and he's, he's going to be good in the future. Every struggle that I face, he will be with me and he will be good. If you're taking notes this morning, I've entitled this message, He is Good Even When We Aren't. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. When we feel like we're stuck, Lord, your, your word lights a path for us. When we feel like we're trapped, your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. God, we thank you that your word is faithful and true. And we, we know that the grass may wither and the flowers may fade away, but the word of the Lord stands forever. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, you demand.
You got a nice beard, too. So I am, I'm now 35 years old, and I'm just now starting to learn something about myself that I would have never been able to admit to you earlier in life. But what I've learned is I am a creature of routine. And I would have never told you this because my routines are constantly changing. What I mean by that is, um, for instance, last week, the week before, I was running out the door, running late, trying to get to the gym before work, and I realized I was on an empty stomach. I did not want to go exercise on an empty stomach, so quickly I ran into the kitchen and I made myself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's what we had at the moment, so I, I threw together peanut butter and jelly, and as I left, I felt really good that day. Like, I just felt like I had energy, I felt like I was full, like, this was good. So my response was to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every single day that week. I've hated peanut butter and jelly my whole life, but now it was part of my routine. A couple weeks back, Katie made me this, this amazing lunch. It was um, buffalo chicken rice bowls, and I tasted it, and I was like, this is what I want for lunch every single day. Like, this is it. Three weeks in a row, I had this for lunch every day. And then at the end of those three weeks, I decided that it has zucchini in it, and I don't like it, and now I hate this meal. But for three weeks, it was all I wanted for lunch. So, like, I have routines, and I live by my routines, but I'm constantly changing them, if that makes sense. Well, this week... I got thrown off my routine. Monday came around and uh, one of our cars was having car trouble. So we, we had to wait to take it to the shop. And all of a sudden, my routine's completely thrown off because I get up, I'm ready to run out the door. And then I remember, oh, me and Katie are sharing a car now. And I have to drive her to work. So I couldn't go to the gym that morning. I couldn't like... My whole routine was thrown off. Now I'm sitting around waiting because we leave the house at different times. And even on the car ride in, the music's different. Katie is a very sweet-natured person. She doesn't like aggressive music as I do in the morning. So the music is much softer. It is not pumping me up. I'm not getting excited with this, the music that is being played in the car. And something inside me is just like welling up. My routine's off. I'm, I have this frustration that I can't, couldn't even explain in the moment. And I just felt like I was slipping into a bad mood. So I come up with a plan. And I, I call it the revenge meal. Have, have y'all ever had a revenge meal? It's the greatest thing. You have a bad day, like hit a drive-thru, get you a revenge meal. It's just, it'll perk you right up. I don't know what it is, but the revenge meal is key. So I get the plan that I'm going to make a revenge meal. We have food at home. It's more healthy. But no, I'm going to spend money because my routine's thrown off. And that's, I was being petty that morning. So I go into Starbucks. I really like those egg bites. Have y'all had these things? They're like so, I don't know what it is. It doesn't feel like an egg, but it tastes amazing. So I get, I get these egg bites, and I'm, I'm feeling good about my plan to have a revenge meal. This is going to turn my morning right around. And as I get out of the car, they fall out of the bag onto the floor. 
And I'm committed at this point. Like, you will not, you will not throw me off. So listen, I'm going to be honest. The, my, I don't clean my car very often, so um, the floor is disgusting. And I just put them back in the bag anyway. Like, you're not going to mess up my day. And as I get out of the car, they fall out of the bag again. And this is when I realize what's happening. The bottom of the bag was never sealed shut. It had holes on both ends. And so now I'm out here in the parking lot. One egg bite is just on the asphalt. And I just, I'm leaving it there. Like, good for a cat or whatever. I'm not picking up that egg bite. I was very upset in the moment. And I take the one in, in, and I just sit in my office, and I pull it out the bag, and it is just covered in dirt. And I'm just like, I can't eat this. So my plan for a revenge meal to turn around my day, the meal had revenge on me. And I'm just sitting here in this bad mood. I don't know if you've ever been on the struggle bus, but sometimes you're on the struggle bus and you miss your exit. Like, that was my plan to get off the struggle bus that day. And it, I, I missed the exit. Sometimes we, we find ourselves in times where we're in struggle, but we don't see the way out. And I believe uh, we're going to look in 1 Kings 19, because I believe Elijah finds himself in a moment like this, where he's in struggle, he doesn't see the way out. But this story's going to end with God giving him vision for his way out of this struggle. So if you have your Bibles in 1 King 19 is where we're going to park for the rest of our time. And I'm just going to pick up this, this story is right after a, a victorious moment in Elijah's life. Elijah just had the coolest prophet moment you could ever have. If you're a prophet, this is the moment you wanted on your resume. He was challenging prophets of another God and they were like, all right, we're going to call down fire from heaven, see who's God's real. 400 prophets of the other God, Baal, no response. They're crying out, no response. Elijah says, you know what, just to make this, just to give you more of a handicap, we're going to wet the altar and pour water all over everything, but it's still going to, fire's still going to fall from heaven. Elijah calls down fire. Sure enough, God answers, fire comes. He has this big victorious moment. Everybody who watches this says, okay, we know that your God's real, and they cry out to him, and then they kill the 400 other prophets because it's Old Testament. You know, that's how you roll. So we're picking up here in 1 Kings 19. And this is directly after this. It says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to, to Elijah and said, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in, in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness. It's important to know, like, I, I, I become aware as I'm reading this scripture, the first thing Elijah did was isolate himself. He had Ahab who was with him all along, but the first thing Elijah does, Elijah does is drop him off and go off by himself. Isn't that, isn't that our tendency in struggle? He came to a broom bush and sat down there and prayed that he might die. 
I've had enough, Lord. You ever prayed that prayer? I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank, strengthened by that food, traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horab, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Elijah found himself in the midst of depression. He was in the middle of a struggle that he didn't even plan to get out of. He was saying, God, I've had enough. You can take my life now. He had, not, he had no plans on getting out of this struggle. And before we, I swear we're going we're gonna to end very hopeful and, and we're going to look at some ways that God pulled Elijah out of this. But I want to I give three truths about struggle before we go there. Number one is this, past success doesn't prevent present struggles. Sometimes we find ourselves in a struggle and, and our first reaction is, wait, Lord, I thought I was past this. Because I'd overcome this in my past and, and you've used me for this and I'd reached this point in my career and I've, I have these achievements, so why am I here? Elijah just came off this big mountaintop experience, this big victory, and he finds himself immediately depressed. Past success doesn't prevent present struggles. And having that mindset can often add to the guilt. Because we start questioning the victories we had before. Well, God, were you really with me? Was any of that real? Did I really have faith? Did, why would I be here if I had that? Because your past success doesn't prevent present struggles. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. You will struggle. It doesn't matter how great you've done in your past. It doesn't matter what you've overcome. There will be moments of struggle. Struggle doesn't check our resume. We've got to free ourselves from the guilt when we find ourselves in a struggle place. The second truth is this, and this is going to be hard to hear, but proximity with the Lord doesn't prevent struggle. I have a whole, a whole Bible to show me that. Because David walked with the Lord. David was very close to the Lord. David struggled. In, Psalms, in Psalm 6, David says, I'm worn out from groaning. Sorrow, my eyes are weak from sorrow. David was a man who walked close to the Lord, found himself struggling plenty of times. Jeremiah was a prophet. He walked with the Lord. He was close with the Lord. He, he found himself in moments where he said, cursed be the day I was born. May, may the day my mother bore me not be blessed. Elijah walked with the Lord. He had these great moments. He found himself in struggle. We got we to gotta throw off the guilt. Listen, I've been, I've been in a lot of faith backgrounds that applied guilt when you struggled. In those moments where you find yourself, there, there's those friends, there's those voices that'll tell you, well, you just don't have enough faith. You just don't, you just don't. No, we got to stop that because our whole Bible's filled with people with plenty of faith 
who still found, find themselves in moments of struggle. And the third truth about struggle that I want to pull out here is perception of your struggles won't always make sense. When you finish the story, you can see there was things Elijah didn't know about. His perception of where he was wasn't entirely true. But our struggle doesn't always make sense. Have you ever found this? you ever feel a certain type of way and in your mind you know it's not logical? But still how you feel, it's still the struggle you're walking through. It's real to us. Your struggle's real even when it, it doesn't make sense. But now's when we're going to jump back into this story and, and, and we're going to focus on um, the good news is, the good news is even though your struggle is real, even though it, it may have surprised you because of past success, the good news is God doesn't leave us there. And the way he, the way he walks us through struggle is very good. So we're going to jump back here into 1 Kings chapter 19. In verse 9, the word of the Lord came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go and stand out on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then the voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? I love how, I love how ready Elijah is with his response every time. You know he has practiced this speech over and over again. He knows it word for word and he nails it. He says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you've come. When you get there, anoint Hazel, king of Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king of Israel, and anoint Elijah to secede you as prophet. He goes on to, to, to remind him, I've reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. The Lord's reminding him, Elijah, you're not alone. Or Elijah, you're not alone. This story ends with Elijah receiving vision from God and, and the truth of the situation. But there's a couple things I want to point out as we go through this story. I want to end today with five steps to take during your struggle. Five steps that I believe help, that God used to walk Elijah out of this place of struggle. And I think they'll help us. And, and these are things that, that I've, I've, I've seen the Lord take me through. The first is this. Be honest with where you are. The first step in, in a moment of struggle is to be honest with where you are. I come from a Pentecostal background, and um, as I was learning, as I was surrounded with pastors, 
It was, it was back in the day, we, every pastor wore suits, and every answer was, how are you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. That was how you answered how you're doing. And we still have the same thing. Like, you know, if, if, if I go up and ask you how you're doing, the correct answer is always good. I mean, that's how, like, our society expects us to respond. Like, if somebody asks you how you're doing, the response is just, good, how are you? Have you ever asked somebody that question and they gave you the real answer, but you weren't prepared for it? It's like, oh, no, I wasn't actually trying to have a conversation here. This is just like we're passing each other in the hall. Yet, it always throws you off when somebody really answers how they're doing. So I came from just surrounded with pastors who would answer that question, blessed and highly favored. But then I would open up the Bible and I realized like, oh, that is not how they answered these questions in the Psalms. That's not how the prophets answered these questions. Imagine asking King David that question and he gives you one of the answers from the Psalms. David, how are you doing? Well... My sins have overtaken me to the point that I cannot see. They outnumber the hair on my head, and my heart's failing within me. Okay, David, um, that, was, uh, that was more than I was asking for. There is an, uh, there's an honesty in our Bible. There is an honesty by the writers that I don't understand how we've come to a point as Christians that we feel like we have to hide our struggles from each other. Because the Bible authors did not hide anything. They hid, they were very honest about vulnerable moments. And we see this in Elijah. He was ready to answer every time the Lord asked him, what are you doing here? Well, let me give you my speech. I am ready for it. Elijah was honest with where he was and that allowed the Lord to walk him through it. You know, I made the decision early in ministry. I have a tendency to overshare. I know that. I have had, I made the decision not to correct that and not to work on that. Last time I preached here, um, I, I was very honest and said, I'm in a season right now that's sad, that's, that's tough, and it's heavy. It's not, it's not something pastors usually share. But I made the decision that I'm going to be honest because I trust the Lord to walk me out of this. And I can say three months later, the Lord has done just that. He walked me through that season and he was with me every way. And if I can't be honest about that, like I'm not trusting in him. We, we can be honest because we trust God to walk through it. Yes, we're struggling. But you know what? We have a God who's never left us before. So why is he going to leave me in this struggle? As followers of Jesus, we don't, we don't have to hide struggle because we know that we have one that's going to walk us through it. Now, I'm not saying go out and tell every single person your business. There's layers. There's some people I would just very general, like, hey, I'm struggling right now. There's some people I would, I would share a little more with. As you get closer... You, as people get closer to you, you, you're able to share a little bit more. Um, there, there is layers there. But as followers of Jesus, we don't, we don't need to hide where he's got us in life. There's a, there's a season for everything. There's a season to mourn and a season for joy. 
Elijah didn't hide his pain because hiding it doesn't remove it. The Lord showed up when Elijah was honest about where he was. The first step is being honest with where we are. The second is leaning into what strengthens us. In verse 8 in this passage, it says, He got up, he ate, and he drank. Strengthened by the food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights. Isn't it, isn't it amazing that God's first response to Elijah's struggle wasn't to give him a lecture, wasn't to bring correction. God's first response to Elijah's struggle was, hey, bro, here's a snack. Eat a snack and take a nap. Let me tell you, there's a lot of things that we think are struggles that wouldn't be a struggle if we just ate a snack and took a nap. That is godly stuff right there, and it happens twice. Eat a snack and take a nap. I have so many times, I don't know why this, is, this has become my first response to anything, but I'll have people tell me like, hey, man, I've been going through tough stuff. And, and for some reason, now I respond with, have you been eating? And it's almost always no. When you haven't been eating, stuff just hits you, hits you harder. A snack and a nap. Just walk out of here with that today. That's, that's the sermon. But isn't it crazy how something as simple as food, like it strengthened Elijah for the journey ahead. Because he had that, now he could finish the journey of God leading him out of the struggle. And there's times where you just have to lean into what strengthens you. Do, do you have friendships that strengthen you? Lean into those. Do you have family that strengthens you? Lean into that when you're struggling. Are there, are there things that bring you joy, things that bring you life, things that make you passionate? When you're struggling, lean into those things. I want to be very clear with the theology here that I believe because of what Jesus did on the cross that we are, that we are able to walk in whole. You are completely whole because of what he did on the cross. You don't need fixing. You don't need, you don't need anything. You are whole. And there are some times that we, we don't walk in that wholeness and, and we, we, we're not balanced. There are some times that our mind or our spirit may not be as strong in the moment. So lean into what strengthens us. There, there are times that we are out, out, a little bit out of balance as people. I was, going, I was going through a struggle and I was just like every day, I was very aware that my mind wasn't right. I went really hard in the gym because this was like, okay, my mind's not right, my body's going to be. Like, I'm going to lean into what strengthens me in this moment. And, and what you start to realize is you actually have, you, you have control over the mind too because you, just the way you have control over the body and the spirit, we lean into what strengthens us in those moments. I believe that when we struggle, the Lord is there providing strength. Just like for Elijah, it was a snack and a nap that he needed to strengthen him. There's going to be moments where we struggle... And we need to look for what God's providing to strengthen us. Because he's a loving God. The fact that he shows up with a snack in this moment, that's, that's love right there. <laughs> oh. 
first be honest with where we are. Next, um, lean into what strengthens us. And then third, recognize where truth is coming from. The Lord brings him out of the cave and says, I'm about to pass by. And here's what immediately happens. A strong wind comes through and starts breaking the mountain apart. And after that, there was a fire. And the Lord wasn't in the fire. And then there was a big earthquake. Starts shaking everything around him, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. The Lord was in a calm whisper at the end. And here's what... Here, I know, this is, um, I know this isn't what this passage is saying, but I feel like we take the same pattern in our own struggles. We get in a struggle and all of a sudden we want that wind to start tearing things down around us because maybe those things are causing our struggles. Maybe, maybe we get in a struggle and we just start shaking things up in, my, in our lives and we need new friends, we need, new, we need a new career, we need a new job, we need a, this and this and we just want to shake things up because of our struggle. Or, or maybe just like fire, we get obsessive about one thing and this thing makes me feel good, so I'm going to really get obsessive and passionate about it. But we got to recognize where truth is. It's not the earthquake shaking everything up. It's not the wind. Pastor Robert said, said it after last service. We, we focus on those things because we can control those things a little bit more. We've, we put our focus into the fire and our focus into the wind and the focus into the earthquake, but we got to recognize where truth is. And it's usually the calm, still voice because truth doesn't change and it doesn't need to shout. His love doesn't change and it doesn't need to be it doesn't need to break things down. It's a whisper. The, the fourth is this. Remember that the Lord is good even when we aren't. The Lord speaks to Elijah and he, he, he begins to remind him. He serves them food and then he reminds them that, hey, you're not alone even though you feel like it. You keep saying you're alone, but I have 7,000 who are with us. Ahab, your servant that you left behind, he's with us. You're not alone. The Lord speaks truth in this moment. And we got to remind ourselves that the Lord is good even when we're struggling, even when we aren't good. That, our, that his goodness is not dependent on our situation. That... Our chaos doesn't undermine his peace. That the lies living in our, our head doesn't undermine his truth. His truth's still the same. His love's still the same. His peace is still the same. He is good even when we aren't. And you see this all through the Psalms. There's times David would say, Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? I will trust in the Lord. What is David doing? He's reminding himself. He's not just talking to himself. He's reminding himself. Psalms 103. He says, Oh my soul, praise the Lord. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Oh my soul, praise the Lord and forget not all his benefits. 
who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. What is David doing? He's remembering that my situation might not be good, but God, you are. That you are the God who restores. That you are the God who guides. That you're the God who forgives and heals. And you're good regardless of what I see. He is good. And he's good all the time. He was good when he went to the cross. He was good when he gave his life. He was good when he rose again. He was good when he poured out his spirit. And he's good every single day that his spirit lives in us. And we get to walk in that. And we don't struggle alone. We don't mourn like those who mourn without hope. We mourn with hope because he's good, even when we're not. And the last thing, the last thing God did to help Elijah walk out of this He told him about Elisha. He gave, him, he gave him a reason to leave the mountain behind because there was somebody that was going to rise up after him that he needed to go anoint as prophet. See, Elijah needed an Elisha. It was, the, it was a reason to leave that cave behind. And sometimes in our life, we need vision. We need someone to serve. We need some, there are disciples that need to be made. Who is your Elisha? Who's your reason for leaving the cave behind? There's been moments where I wanted to give up, moments I wanted to quit. But I serve as a youth leader to incredible students whose face comes, comes into my mind in those moments. God's given me a purpose. I can't, I can't give up. I can't quit. I can't stay in the struggle. And I need to walk in the wholeness and righteousness that he's given me. Because I have an Elisha. I have somebody to serve. There are disciples that need to be made. We have purpose. And we need to be walking in wholeness and, 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 and our righteousness to, for them. You saw the Sea Kids team before. They're serving others. There's something about serving others that is good for our souls when our hearts are sick. When you leave, when you leave this room, there's tables out there where you can sign up to serve and, and there's outreaches because there's people in our community that need food. We have, reason to, we have a reason to keep getting up. We have a reason to walk through our struggles because there's people that need food. There, there's people who need the gospel. There's people who need our hope. They need, our, they, they need us. God always provides an Elisha if we're looking for him. So here's how we're, how we're going to respond today to this message. You can, you can t go ahead and stand up. We're going to go back into a song of worship. Because in our, in our struggle, maybe we need to stir something up in our spirit. Maybe we need to remind our own soul that he is good. Our, our situation might be good, what we've been facing. Our, our mindset might not be good, but he's still good. And we're going to lean into gratitude in our struggles.
And we're going to see God, God minister just like he did to Elijah. You can also, when you leave this, this room, you can also decide to look for your Elijah and sign up to serve somewhere. But we're going we're gonna to take a moment to worship before we leave. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you're a good God. We thank you that you minister to us in the midst of our struggle, just like you did for Elijah. We thank you, Jesus, that you, that you said you will never leave us nor forsake us, that your goodness is clear in the gospel. Lord, we thank you that you're good no matter what we're going through, that your goodness isn't dependent on our situation. And we thank you for who you are, in Jesus' name.